0: everybody welcome to profoundly pointless my name is nick vinzant coming up in this episode tree climbing and obscure sports
1: you know I, I i pretty much immediately was drawn into the tree climbing part not just the physical part the groundwork the chainsaw work all that uh something about the working at height appealed to me i lived it all year round you know for 20 some years i competed at the world championships and All year round, I would think about it. I would tweak my gear. I would keep an eye out for new gear, and I would even create new techniques. And they always have these grand trees. Some of the most beautiful, majestic trees I've ever climbed were in competitions. You know, I could think of trees in Nashville to Hawaii to over in the U.K. where, uh, Australia, where these trees are just magnificent. So,
0: I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest does something that we all have done. Everybody's climbed a tree pretty much, right? The difference is, is that he is one of the best in the world, if not at one time, the best in the world at climbing trees. And I think that he has this fascinating story, both in terms of what competitive tree climbing is, but also how somebody can just become really, really, really good at something that they're passionate about. This is three-time world champion tree climber, Mark Chisholm. Was this something that you wanted to get into, or was this something that just kind of happened?
1: Well, you know, it's it's uh, it kind of just happened. Um, every aspect of of what I do is wrapped in tree care, arboriculture, in some fashion. It, it really started when I was a young kid. I grew up in the industry. My father and mother had started our company, Aspen Tree Expert Company, here in New Jersey. Uh, so it was always kind of just like all around and you know, I, I I pretty much immediately was drawn into the tree climbing part, not just the physical part, the groundwork, the chainsaw work, all that. Uh Something about the working at height appealed to me, maybe because my father did it, maybe just because of part of the nature that I have or or some of my tendencies as a child. I'm kind of always game to try things, you know, like if we're going to do like uh bicycle riding, we're going to try to hit jumps. If you take me skiing, I to try to hit jumps. You know, it's kind of like Uh, I like the excitement aspect I think as well, but, um, uh, all that stuff appealed to me. And then, you know, there was a period in time, not long after that, where I graduated from high school and, uh, was trying to figure out whether I should stick with what I'm doing or move on down the road and try something else just because, you know, I didn't really know anything else. I, I started doing a little bit of soul searching and, and the funny thing about it all was I got my two year degree. And at that time I had started getting involved in the tree climbing championships. But when I got involved in that, I saw the big picture of the industry around the world. I saw the camaraderie, and it just grabbed a hold of me at that point. And I realized, you know, I'm going to Rutgers to get a biology degree to maybe do this or that that I'm not 100% sure of. And um, and then it just hit me. I'm already doing what I really want to do, and I didn't really know it. I just I thought I was maybe taking the easy road or the easy way out and, you know, didn't want to take that without doing a little bit of really – kind of a soul searching to make sure i was taking the right path for me not just for anybody else
0: so when you do the competition are you competing in how fast you climb how far like what what is the competition centered around the one thing I'll
1: tell everybody, because they always assume I'm doing timber sports, which is logging base, you know, chainsaw cutting and chopping and all that. And it's not. If I look at the two, they're, they're a lot different in the idea that, yes, they, they share some similarities. But in the tree climbing championships, we don't use any axes. We don't use any chainsaws. It's all climbing. And it's, it's, it's as close as you can get the rock climbing and trees. If you can visualize rock climbing and you'll get a picture, but there's, there's six events and it's both two of them are, are just speed. Um, the difference between the two is one is you just climb the rope and nothing else. And it's a uh, 15 meters. So about 50 feet. And the other event is called the blade speed climb. Somebody at the ground is belaying you just like in a rock climbing uh, situation. And, that event will go from different different heights based on the trees in the geographical zone that we're in. For example, when we were in um, out in Seattle, Washington, that climb was in a sequoia, and it, we had a climb of like 94 feet or something, which was a really fun one. Uh, but that's all speed. First one at the top of the tree hits the bell, and you win that event if you're the fastest without any infractions. And uh, so that's one that actually appeals to me as well because I like the agility aspects.
0: Now, are you are you climbing, like, the main part of the tree? Like, or are you climbing up the branches, or is it just however you get up yeah. is however you get up?
1: You can utilize the rope that's going to your anchor point in the top of the tree, and you can utilize that rope if there's nothing to grab onto, or you use the tree however you see fit. So limb work and all that is what we do. We don't climb with spikes because they're not good for trees unless you're doing a removal, so this is not to kind of uh, kind of um, emulate what you would do in a removal. It's more about tree climbing and pruning and pr- preservation of trees.
0: Do you have, I mean, is there special gloves, special shoes, anything like that?
1: Mm, yes and no. Um, we do have gloves and boots that we use in tree climbing that it's not really unique to tree climbing per se. They make them for other industries, but they do work well for us. It's not like gloves, like, for example, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of those rubber-coated Tom gloves because they give you a really good grip on rope and then everything else you touch. The, the shoes, the shoes that I always chose were in a class or a category they call approach shoes, a mix between a boot and a rock climbing uh, shoe because they're not for wall climbing, but they're for getting to the wall, which have a kind of a stickier sole and, um, you know, they're more like a boot looking, but they're flexible and sticky.
0: All right. So uh, this is what I'm kind of imagining necessarily, like, you know, you and the guys, you and the coworkers, like, how do you go from, hey, you know, he's pretty good at this to like, wow, you're, you should compete in this, right? How do you go from being kind of the good guy in the neighborhood to being a world champion? Like, how do you know that you're at that level?
1: You know, I don't know that you do know. Uh, for me, I didn't know. Um, you know, back when I started the competition, um, I, I just turned 18, was going to be 19, and by the time I did my first one... Um, and the guys I worked with who were just starting to do it, um, like mentors of mine said, you should try it. You'd like it because you're a com- competitor. I Like when I was young, I did soccer for five years. I did wrestling for three years. And I always enjoyed the competition aspect. Um, but then I started working at such a, a young age. I never played football. I never continued with wrestling in high school or any of that. So it kind of brought me back to that thing i I felt like i missed out on because i chose to do tree work and worked on saturdays i missed out on kind of the sports and the competitions and such so this kind of appealed to me on that level but to answer your question i had no idea if i was good enough to compete against anyone and it really didn't matter to me to be honest with you it was more about participating and the guys around me said just come show up you have a great time You'll learn stuff. You're going to go home feeling g- glad you did it, even if you come in last. And that, I, that felt like a no-lose scenario. Um, and my first competition in New Jersey, at the New Jersey Championship, I placed fifth overall over, I want to say there was like 25 competitors then, which was a pretty good showing. Um but I really made some, some big mistakes for me personally where I, I felt like I was sloppy and I was a little embarrassed by my showing. And everybody supported me and said, no, you did great. What are you talking about? But I knew what I did wrong. And it kind of fueled me to want to come back and show myself that I could clean that up and do better and learn these other parts of the competition. That I didn't really notice scoring, for example. Um, so it was the process. But I didn't know if I'd be good at it, and it wasn't until – this the, the second year in New Jersey where I took second to the guy who was the champion the year prior and that year, and I got close to him, and I started watching and learning, and people would share things that I really said, you know, I think I could probably do pretty good at this, but it wasn't with any, like, monster goals or dreams. I just wanted to come back and do better than the year prior.
0: What? Well, why are you good at it, though? Is it is it a physical thing? Like, do you identify a path well? Like, what about you makes you good at it?
1: You know, there's a, there's a lot of ways to answer that because there's a lot of different components that I think you need to understand to get good at any event, including this one. So I think, obviously, physical ability has a lot to do with it because you're doing a physical thing. You need to have agility. You need to have upper body strength. You need to have balance and all these different things you would need for any real athletic event. But I think you've got to learn how to um, also be kind of mentally able or mentally strong in the competition arena. Cause it's just you against yourself and everybody else. You know, it's not a team event. Um, you have to go in there and know that whatever happens is your fault. Whether you do good or bad is up to you. And if you're not happy with that, then you need to prepare better. Preparing means physically. Preparing means mentally. Um, preparing can mean, um, learning the event, learning how you can get better scores watching what other people did around you that were better than you in each event, so you can draw from that. And then maybe, uh, for me personally, what helped me excel is I think I was very passionate about it, and I lived it all year round. You know, for 20-some years I competed at the World Championships and all year round I would think about it, I would tweak my gear, I would keep an eye out for new gear, and I would even create new techniques that I wanted to showcase at the event if I got the opportunity. And I think that Wholehearted, all-inclusive submersion in the event, while I'm at work, while I'm at home, on Sundays, practicing and thinking about it, is what drove me to become better. That and you know the people around me brought me up. In that each year I would compete, I would watch and learn and gather from everyone around me. And if they got better, I somehow got better. And it made me say, I can't be this level next year, or I'm going to be left in the dust. So. I need to get better even from here on out. And every year it was a push to get better.
0: Are you all, is everybody on the same tree or do you climb different trees? Cause I feel like one tree might be easier than the other tree necessarily. Right?
1: Yeah. No, we all follow the same track. Every event is identical for everybody. I'll give you the, the general kind of aspect of the event. There's five preliminary events. Everybody competes in those five preliminary events that add up a total point score. And you can win or lose every single one of those events in it by itself. But you gather points if you point, uh, place in anything across the whole board. And as you participate in all five, at the end of that that day, um, the top five men and at the time the top three women would go on and compete in one more event the next day um, called the Masters Challenge, which is one event. And everybody does the same tree, but you have freedom to do it any way you want. Meaning, every, every station, you can go in any order you want, use any gear you want, as long as it's safe and approved and best practice.
0: What's kind of your basic strategy? Like, when you approach the tree, what do you have? What's your strategy going into it?
1: Um, you know, what I always tried to do, and I was not always successful at this event where I probably could have been. Looking back now, I think I, I let things change my judgment. Based on what I was thinking at the time, but looking back, I see, I see it a little differently now. And I think what the real kind of blessing, if you will, is if you can see how to, how to solve that climb or solve that puzzle, so to speak, utilizing your best attributes, your best skills, rather than doing it like someone else did in the past or would do because you think they're the best climber or they had the best climb last year and they beat you doing a certain way. Um, i think when i did the best is when i walked into that event and said i'm just gonna do my climb like i see the best way to climb this tree not like not not factoring in anything other than what i see for this tree
0: do they rate the trees on a difficulty level kind of like rock climbing is
1: i actually thought of that myself years ago we talked about that idea of doing different ratings or but what they actually do is we typically move around to a city anywhere in the world that, that it's kind of like a It's kind of like the Olympics where they plan it like four years out, you know, where you're going to be every for the next four years. And and it goes to a place that typically has some beautiful parks, natural areas where they can host this event. And they always have these grand trees. Some of the most beautiful, majestic trees I've ever climbed were in competitions. You know, I could think of trees in Nashville to Hawaii to over in the UK where uh, Australia where these trees are just magnificent. So. The master's challenge is never going to be the easiest tree in the park. It's always going to be the largest, most technical tree that you can imagine. And the guys and women that create the climbs are tend to be some of the best world champion, ex-champion climbers that that help set these up. So they make them very challenging and difficult. So in the simplest answer is they'll put it at the the highest level of difficulty that the tree in the parks will allow in, in the region we're in. So they're always a very difficult climb.
0: Can you? Can people make a living off of this?
1: Not really. Um, some people travel around and do competitions, so just competing alone will not really get you a very good income. I mean, it varies year to year, but you can go around and win thousands of dollars at each regional event and in prizes and cash. So, like I remember some world championships uh, in particular, I won where maybe I walked away with around five thousand dollars or plus in cash and prizes and um, so that's not really a big payday, but um, what what is kind of really the payday for most of us is you get a free ride to some place in the world to be part of this event. You get a free ride to the educational components, and you get to see everybody and participate, and it doesn't cost you a dime. Um, everything's covered, travel inclusive. So that's the real payout for most people to that, to get to that level and be part of the event and not have to come out of pocket on it. And if you win something, it's just, you know, great. Thank you. And and it's great to have that extra. But I think, um, like for people like myself, what, what ends up paying more bills in the long run is when you become of value to, you know, the industry because of your credentials and some of those may be based on the competition as well. For example, you know, a brand ambassador uh, to some, some organization or company that says, we think you're a good fit for us and they'll pay you to do whatever, advertising, marketing or education.
0: Are you ready for some of the listener slash harder questions?
1: Absolutely.
0: Best type of tree to climb?
1: Wow. So for me the best type of tree for me would be something that's in my wheelhouse where I felt like I excelled. And that would be a very large open tree. So you can imagine a very tall, very broad, majestic oak tree, for example, where there's a lot of room to limb walk and swing and jump because I'm a tall guy and athletic in that, in the tree climbing event as at any rate, maybe I'm not as athletic on the ground, you know, per se, but I'm pretty graceful in a tree where I can make a big jump swing movement land it with grace and i think that would that makes me feel more confident approaching those climbs so something really big really spread out with a lot of swings and dynamic movements uh, appeals to me um where maybe other people are intimidated by that climb and they prefer something you know more dense and uh with a lot of limb structure
0: wait a minute you're like jumping from limb to limb
1: oh yeah yeah that's actually and you know you asked me what makes a good master climb something that, that, you know, to me is a good master's climb. One of the things I loved is when I walked up and saw the tree for the first time and scoped out the, 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 routes that they, they set up, if I could see a really dynamic jump or swing that I knew because of my athletic ability and my, my height and reach that I could create something that maybe other people would struggle with, which would be unique to me and it would make other people who, you know, at the end of the day, if you're watching a world championship event, what you want to be is if you're an arborist, a tree climber, from wherever you are in the world, and you've never done this, you want to see something that impresses you, just like when you watch professionals do anything, right? And I tried to approach the climbs like that, like I wanted to, to do something that shows the the highest level of climbing that I could provide, and that's what I looked for. So I love the jumps, I love the big swings, and. I kind of developed a name for it uh, in in that regard.
0: I mean, obviously, there's safety precautions, but people can get hurt doing this, right? Have you ever gotten hurt?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, you can get hurt. Luckily for me, I've not had more than bumps and bruises with the exception of maybe one smashed knee uh, in Baltimore because it was raining earlier in the day. The trees were slippery, and I still went for these dynamic moves and I just kind of didn't land it as solidly as I normally would smack my knee and had to finish the competition with a sore stiff knee that didn't really inhibit anything but it definitely took my mind space a little bit but there were a few people that have gotten hurt um, made a mistake that wasn't something you could see happening you know it wasn't something that was you know the judge's fault or anything else the climber made an error and had to get rescued themselves from the event and brought to the hospital, but nothing, um, too drastic on the world championship event. At some of the regionals I've heard of, uh, some, some more difficult injuries that have happened, which is obviously something we, we try to avoid.
0: Worst type of tree to climb.
1: The worst type of tree to climb. For me, it, it depends. If you're talking competition, I don't want anything that's real like brittle. Um, where they don't allow you to tie in high and use that high tie-in point to pivot from. If the tree's real brittle as far as the type of wood it is, they'll, they'll limit how high in the tree we're allowed to tie, tie in, which is the smart thing to do, but it limits what I can do as a climber to showcase my skills. So I hated those. I also hate trees that have thorns and such that slow your movement down. Um, but in the workplace, by by far the thing I hate the most is is like a tree covered in vines that is really overgrown because it just restricts all everything you need to do, nothing but problems.
0: <laughs> is there like I I don't know very much about trees, but the to, the to, to people who compete in this, were they like oh no, it's a birch tree or it's an elm or. Yeah. Well, they look at it and say, "Like we've been there,
1: we've been there." (laughs) Yeah. Actually, uh, in Toronto, uh, one year they did this this beautiful spot um, where we climbed on an island outside of the city. We had to take a ferry over at sunrise. It was a great magical event, but the trees on the island were limited, and they had to hold it in this really large scale willow tree. And willows are very brittle. You know, so a lot of us were like, uh, "We're climbing willows." You know, it's kind of a disappointment, but we all enjoyed the event um, nonetheless. But if we isolate the trees, we didn't really love those trees.
0: Is there a place like what's the what's the tree climbers' mecca? Like, man, you gotta go to.
1: Well, I think it differs for everybody, but I bet a lot of us will be consistent in that we want to climb the biggest trees in the world. So, for me, going out to California and climbing redwoods was like my pinnacle you know that's that's kind of like the Everest of trees so to speak
0: can you look at a tree without planning out how to climb it
1: that's no you can't (laughs) It's not happening honestly you can't go somewhere on vacation and not catch yourself looking at trees and looking at how wow that would be fun to climb or that would be Mm -hmm. miserable to climb and yeah, no, you can't do that.
0: <laughs> Best way to slip I'm a world champion tree climber into a conversation?
1: Oh, uh, you can't. <laughs> you know what it is? It's always awkward when people ask you what you do. I look at, at whoever's with me and they roll their eyes and they're like, all right, how do we explain this one? <laughs> you know, it ends up being a long conversation. It's just like when you said, tell me what the world championships of tree climber are about. Well. It's easiest if I show you a YouTube video, you search it and you can see for yourself, but, um, it's a long discussion. It's not a two, two second answer. So you can't slip it in, you know, but it does come up when people do ask or they ask, they, they dig a little bit and you, you eventually, you can't avoid it.
0: <laughs> this one kind of along those lines. Um, have you ever used it to help in the romantic arena slash are there tree climbing groupies?
1: that's a good question so for me there's no tree climbing groupies that matter to me i'm a married man for actually just celebrating my anniversary for 25 years now my wife and actually i met her because of the world championships because i was in i was in halifax nova scotia and after the event was over that night is when i met her early that night and it's a long story after that but eventually that's she ended up being my wife, so, yeah, it could happen, but she was not impressed by tree climbers or tree climbing. That, that's not what uh, what works for me, but I, I definitely think there's, uh, there's some people that think that it works for them. I've heard them talk about it, but <laughs> I don't know about that.
0: Is there, okay, let me ask you this one other kind of question. Sure. Is there, like, okay, so I'll take myself, for example. My oldest son is four. He's starting to really get into, the, you know, he's climbing trees, I'm old enough where I can't possibly keep up with him. Is there any tip that you can give me that like i can I can show him the old man still knows what's up like what's your best <laughs> what's your best oh, yeah. novice tree climbing yeah. tip
1: so, so for for I would tell you a couple one is don't get too carried away because once you start getting up up, know your limitations and don't get too crazy unless you're gonna learn how to climb with a rope and a harness because us professionals, we're not allowed to leave the ground without being tied in at all times. Now try to keep three points of contact when you're doing that, you know, meaning two feet in an arm or two arms and a feet cause that way you have good stability. And if you're reaching on smaller diameter branches, say, Things for the general sake of, of not knowing a species and such, say three inch diameter and, 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 and until you hit larger than that, you want to stay close to the tree trunk where it meets. Don't reach really like four foot out and grab on. That's when you break those branches. So that's when it gets more risky. So stay in close and try to maintain three points of contact and you don't have a lot to worry about until you, until you get over that height of, we'll stay, I don't know, let's say 15 feet, it becomes deadly if you slip.
0: That's pretty much all the questions I got, man. Anything else you think that we missed, and what's coming up next for you?
1: Well, you know, um, I mean, I could talk about tree climbing and, and the industry at large for forever. It's just such a great industry, and uh, so I will say that, you know, what I find is that the industry is unlike anything else out there. There's a camaraderie, there's a brotherhood, a sisterhood that reaches internationally. And what I mean is you can literally, you don't have to have real connections anywhere. All you have to do is reach out, say, I'm an arborist from so-and-so. I'd love to come see your operation or spend a day and everybody welcomes you in for the most part and wants to see. You can work anywhere in the world in this trade in a matter of of a heartbeat uh, on a whim, so to speak. And it's, That's what it's all about.
0: I want to thank Mark so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram. And we have also included his information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. You want to know about anything related to trees or arbor culture? Man, I mean, he knows a lot about trees. I don't know anything about trees. So it's actually really kind of fascinating to check out his website if you get a chance. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call.
2: Howdy ho, neighborino.
0: Were you a good tree climber as a kid?
2: <laughs> of course not. Are you? I, I couldn't even climb the rope in elementary school.
0: Like not even off the ground a little bit? Like how far up the rope could you get?
2: I would put my feet on the knot, you know, the bottom knot, and I would say, "I." <laughs> this is a funny story, actually. I would pretend to climb to the top, thinking the gym teacher, Mister Leanhouse at the time, uh, wouldn't notice. And I, you know, I would like wiggle the rope and then jump down and be like, "Oh, I made it to the top."
0: <laughs> oh, so you were trying to fool him, like when his back was turned, you would just be like, "Ooh, ooh, forty reps, good set," <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, you know,
2: looking back on it, of course he didn't believe me because most kids couldn't do it, you know, in, in 10 seconds, let alone me doing it in 10 seconds.
0: I'm pretty sure he could look at you and be like, that he didn't <laughs> climb that rope. He didn't you know, climb the rope.
2: Thinking of climbing the rope, I mean, that's kind of dangerous if you really think about it, having a bunch of little kids climbing a rope 20, 30 feet and then back
0: down. These kids are going to die. Like climbing <laughs> a rope, basically, you climb, climb the 30 foot rope. With a three-inch mat, and that was going to be fine if you fell from the top.
2: <laughs> or those those twirly things, you know, that you can spin really fast on. Like those are death traps waiting to happen.
0: Okay, but what what thing in gym class did you excel in?
2: You know, I was always good at dodgeball or anything that had to do with throwing and catching balls.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> i was actually uh, why do
2: you always, first off why do you always have to take it to that level and then you make me think of taking it to that level and it ruins anything i just said
0: i don't know what you're talking about
2: <laughs> anyways i was very good at dodgeball i was also very good uh believe it or not at like the bear crawls and things
0: wait were you good um, at dodgeball because of the dodging or because of the throwing or because of the catching
2: i'm not the smallest person uh and I've never been the smallest person, but I, I'm a pretty good thrower, and I'm a, I'm a good catcher too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so
2: yeah, so but beyond that, I was I was really good at the bear cross. Remember the crab walks? Those were sons of bitches, but I seemed
0: to be okay at that. <laughs> but you were probably popular enough. they like, no, don't get John right now. Like, let him, let him get, let him get to the second round at least.
2: I, I I will say this that I I was never picked first second third or fourth for basketball ever but when it came to dodgeball I was always one of the first kids picked because i was
0: I'm, i was actually pretty good we had see we didn't call it dodgeball because i went to one of those schools where they're like we can't play dodgeball anymore it's too aggressive call it call it spider ball it was exactly the oh, same God. thing it's exactly the same thing they just called it something else like no we don't play dodgeball we play bombardment <laughs> oh okay that's fine carry on kids <laughs> It was a lot of fun, though. I kind of miss the old dodgeball days. I'd love to play dodgeball again, honestly. I'd be terrible at it. But I'd love to play it again. But anyway, we've been talking about this too much. Let's move on. What's your thing?
2: <laughs> My thing. Let's give some shout-outs. I was working on that. I hope you liked it. Um,
0: I, right. Not very long. Not long enough.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Jill Flatman, appreciate you. Uh, Jordan, Oliva, uh, Irene, Charles Lloyd. Thank you all for checking us out on Twitter this past week. Uh, heading over to the Instagram, uh, Victor Easton, Brennan Sutcliffe, Dakota, Toby, and Michael Ferguson. Appreciate all you guys uh, checking us out on the gram.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Don't say that.
2: <laughs> I knew I, you know what I wasn't going to. I only did it because I, I knew I knew you were just waiting for it, and I I, I fed it to you.
0: Is Dakota um, spelled? How is Dakota spelled? Like the state, or do they spell it with like? An interesting way. No, I like Dakota. I like the state. Okay, that's appropriate. I'm okay with that name as long as it's spelled correctly. If you're gonna be D, like Dakota, D A K K O T A. I don't even know how to spell Dakota. D A K O T A. Oh boy. Aren't that you, you a history? Like,
2: aren't you a geography
0: guy? Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, no, obviously not. How do you spell Dakota? D A K O T A. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, move on.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, would you rather work with a person who is a complete asshole, or a person who is just a compulsive liar?
0: I don't really know what the difference is.
2: Uh, so an, uh, the, say the asshole is a person who's just rude every day, hard to work with, you know, uh, not a team player, things like that. But they're not a liar. Uh, that's where the liar is. What it is. Somebody who might be nice to your face might be a good teammate, but you always got to be worried about them backstabbing at you or uh, undermining you, things like that.
0: Oh, I would take the liar. I don't mind really? it. Pe- I don't. I don't mind it when people are mean to me behind my back. I could care less. Like I just want to get through the day, right? Like if you're completely fake with me, I. I could, that's fine. I could care less, right? Like let's just get this over with. If you're not difficult to work with. I think it's harder to work with someone's difficult. I mean, you can say whatever you want behind my back. You can say to my face, I don't care. Let's just get this over with. I don't want to be here. You don't want to be here.
2: Um, You can either be rich and ugly or poor and good looking.
0: Oh, rich rich and ugly. That's easy. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. Nobody wants to be poor and good looking. That's not getting anybody. Hey, tell me all those about those movie stars who are poor and good looking.
2: (laughs) That's very, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um You have to defend yourself uh, in a battle. Are you taking a sword or uh,
0: a pair of nunchucks? Well, a sword. Although I would say, though, honestly, like if I had one person running at me with a sword and one person running at me with nunchucks, I'd be more afraid of the person with nunchucks. But I think the sword is ultimately going to be more effective, right? Because the nunchucks might scare you a lot because you don't know what's going on, but if they hit you, it might not be fatal. You get hit with a sword, that's probably going to hurt a lot, right? <laughs> I
2: I would almost argue the stupid fact of getting beat with nunchucks would w- would feel a lot worse than a sword. Because a sword is going to you know slice your arm off, right? It's going to be all shock. That's where the nunchucks are going to hurt like a motherfucker.
0: I'm not worried about getting hurt. I'm worried about dying. <laughs>
2: well... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the truth. I wasn't really thinking about dying. I was just thinking about like the you know getting beat or or have something chopped off.
0: Yeah, dude, they probably try to kill you with the sword. I mean, I don't know if you understand, have ever heard of how war works, but generally, it's not just to injure your opponent, call it a good <laughs> game, and then shake hands and walk away. Like they generally, people die.
2: Listen, are you still keeping your sword in your in your car or what?
0: Yeah, my so. For people who've never heard this before, I bought a ninja sword. I bought a ninja sword drunk one night. It's actually a pretty badass ninja sword. Used it to cut fruit. Uh, basically, drunken stupidity with it. It got banned from the household because now I have two children. Apparently, they can't have a ninja sword according to my wife. So now it sits in my car.
2: I mean, it's you know. In in, in all honesty, and I love that sword. I'm pretty sure I've chopped things up with it before. Uh, it's. Probably better not to be in your house. I have to side with your wife on this one.
0: Yeah, I mean it's probably a better idea. Are you ready for our? Are we at our top five already?
2: Yeah, and I'm sure. Let's do it. I'm 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 excited. I'm ready to go. Woo!
0: Okay, that was a good one. That was nice. Thanks. That was nice. Thanks. All right. Uh, so our top five is top five obscure sports, and I'm generally looking thinking about stuff that, right? Because we've heard of extreme ironing but i don't feel like that counts like it has to have been on tv at some point right that's the level of obscurity that we're talking about but it obviously can't be football baseball basketball what's your number five uh cheese rolling no are you fucking serious that's my number five too (laughs) (laughs) wow
2: wow i i like you was also going with my list of things that i've actually seen on tv and be damned. I've seen people rolling gigantic wheels of cheese down a hill in England every year.
0: Oh, that's pretty awesome, honestly, just to watch those people. You're basically just watching for people to get hurt. Like, nobody even knows what's the even goal of the sport because you're not beating the cheese. Like, you're just trying to be the first person down? You're trying not to die? <laughs> yeah, from,
2: from what I understand, you're trying, you're trying to get your wheel of cheese down the hillside to the imaginary finish line first.
0: Well, I don't think that's how it works. I think they roll the cheese, and then you're trying to be the first person down there. And the first person down there gets the cheese. But everybody's seen this thing, right? It's where all these people go falling down a hill like idiots.
2: (laughs) They really do look like idiots. But, I mean, let's be honest. I I would try it, for sure.
0: I mean, you would think that just by walking, you could probably beat most people who've fallen and hurt themselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, I feel like if you're in that, I feel like... Whether or not, like, common sense is gone, right? You have to jump and fall down the hill. No walk. Don't be
0: that guy. Couldn't you just roll down? I feel like rolling down would be relatively safe. I would hope that they would kind of clean the rocks off of the course. That seems a little bit dangerous. <laughs>
2: I, I, for some reason, I don't, they probably don't. But there probably aren't a lot of rocks in that hillside anyways.
0: Right. We know a lot about geography here. Don't even question <laughs> us. What's your number four?
2: <laughs> How do you spell Dakota? Um Jolly ball, which is a combination of juggling and volleyball.
0: I've never even heard of that. What do you?
2: Yeah, so so basically, it's uh, uh, we know what juggling is. You know how volleyball is played. If if you don't, I'm not going to waste your time. Either way, when you, you you get hit the ball, you have to like juggle it in the air a couple of times before you send
0: it back. Oh, there's so, not. So there's. But wait, are there more than one ball? involved like are there multiple balls because how otherwise yeah, how's that so for,
2: i i i saw I it on tv a long time ago there was four balls in play when i watched it a while ago i don't know if that's changed i didn't look it up uh if it's changed but I, you know i'm just sitting there wide like i don't even i didn't even know what to watch like which side of the court to watch because we just everything was just like happening all at once
0: okay seems like a relatively hard sport to know who won I'm like, man, cause yeah. you meant being the scorekeeper Like, Jesus I don't know, there's eight balls out there I don't know who served Like, this is too much work, man That's too much Complicated work Complicated
2: statistics are not part of that sport, I guarantee it
0: No My number four is slam ball Remember slam ball? They jumped off trampol- It's Like basketball with trampolines It'd... Yeah, oh, yeah Yeah. Man, I, you know,
2: I, as a kid I'm, As an adult, like I'd play some slam ball.
0: I'd love to go out there. That's one of those things, though, that like you think you'd love to go out there, and then you actually go out there, and you're like, holy shit, this is really high and dangerous. I <laughs> shouldn't be doing this at all.
2: That's a good one, man. That's uh, that that was like a, its own actual TV show, I think, for a while too.
0: They had a league, they had teams. Okay, cool. Did anybody ever shoot it, or was dunking the only thing that was allowable? Because wouldn't you just stand near the rim? That's what I would Let, do.
2: Listen to you with your, you know, point guard mindset. Did I whatever? spot up and just shoot a,
0: a two-pointer? Did anybody just have a nice fundamental layup? Maybe, no, like, you don't even no, have to slap man. the backboard. Don't slap the backboard. You don't have to show off. Do a nice little layup. <laughs> towel off. Get back to the other side. Easy. Towel off. Jesus Christ. I don't know if you got a towel off. What's your number three?
2: Uh, so I have competitive eating.
0: Okay, that's pretty legitimate. Right, I, I mean, didn't...
2: Right, like, it's 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 obscure, but I, I feel like we act like it's normal because, you know, they have such big competitions now. But, I mean, a dude put, or, or a woman, putting down, like, 12 pounds of ribs in 10 minutes, like, that, that's fucking amazing still.
0: My only issue with competitive eating is it's a sport where I can only watch the first probably 20 seconds and then just tell me who won, right? I don't actually <laughs> want to, like, okay, if it's a five-minute challenge... I don't really want to watch the whole five minutes, right? I want to see how they're doing it. I want to marvel for a second, and then I want to, like, okay. guess I'll look up who won later. Oh, um, man, once again, it's
2: one of those things to where, like, I watch, and I'm like, I could probably do that. I could probably put down 30 hot dogs in 10 minutes, and then when I, you know, when I I might have three or four or five and on Fourth of July, I'm like, there's no way
0: I could do that. No. What? Okay. What food are you most interested watching people eat? What food are you least interested watching people eat? Like, they have all these different competitions. It can't be because somebody's like, you know what? (sighs) They're eating pudding, and I'm just not a fan of watching competitive eating with pudding. (laughs) But I do love it when they eat corn dogs. So, I I gotta
2: be boring, and I have to say the one that I don't want to watch is the hot dogs. Because it's kind of like what you were saying, but on a different level. I can only watch... The first couple of minutes and then when they start getting everything soggy and wet pieces of bread are flying everywhere and it's coming out their mouth, like that's really gross to me. So I'm going to pick that. The one that I could watch, the chicken wing eating contest mm-hmm. to me are fascinating.
0: Okay, what's the preferred chicken weeding strategy? Do they eat the whole wing or do they do that thing like they bite it at the end and then just <laughs> rip it off like they're sucking out the marrow?
2: I hope people know what you just said. I got it. <laughs> um,
0: I think people know. I think people understand. Yeah,
2: yeah. that—that's the preferred. If you're doing, you know, if you're doing straight wings without, you know, without the uh, the drumstick, um, they just stick them in their mouth and they just suck the meat off. And it's like they break it, pop the bones, and there, and you know, there's one down.
0: Is that what you would do?
2: Yeah, I, I I would try to do that. I don't know if I have enough. Don't know if I have enough suction, but I'm sure I could learn how to do it.
0: Yeah, you got to work the jaw more. That's your problem.
2: What's your number three before this goes somewhere I don't want to, want it to go?
0: I don't know if this quite counts as obscure, but the hammer throw in track and field. That just looks... I'm just waiting for somebody to die. <laughs> right? I'm
2: surprised. I'm sure there are stories of people getting hurt.
0: There has to be. That has to have been people killed in that sport. Right? You're taking... I think it's... I'm just going to say it's a 20-pound hammer swinging it around with a giant person and then just chucking it down into a field while other events are going on all around it. Like, there's no way no one's died in this. There's none.
2: (laughs) The only thing that I can think of and compare it to so people kind of get an idea of how dangerous is, like, the javelin throw
0: in track. But the javelin, you know, generally, that's that's probably going to go... There's no way that somebody's going to throw that javelin behind them on accident or to the (laughs) side on accident. Like, these are professional athletes. But what if somebody just chucks this hammer throw to the side because they're spinning around in a circle? Like, this just can't be a good idea.
2: Yeah, that's true. And, and right, that, that backstop or whatever, that net only goes so far to the left and the right. Yeah, I agree with you. That's pretty dangerous. Yeah, and
0: for people who haven't seen it, it's basically like a mesh golf ball net. What's that <laughs> going to do to stop a 20-pound hammer? I have no idea. <laughs>
2: People like us must have came up with that safety feature.
0: I want to know who the per like. How could you be good at the hammer throw and not good at the shot put?
2: I, I literally, I, I like usual. I had, I can add nothing to this conversation because I haven't done either. So
0: okay, all right, fair enough. What's your number two? Uh, Zorba ball. <laughs> Is that the one where they put they put people inside the balls and they just bash into each other? Those big uh plastic yeah. things. Yeah, that's a good sport.
2: Yeah, you. like. I, yeah, I think they actually have a Zorball Soccer League, but it just, it looks so, I mean, I would try it, but I don't understand getting inside of that, and then, like, you just get the shit kicked out of you, uh, and you go upside down and stuff, it just doesn't look, looks doesn't look appetizing to me, but people love it, so.
0: Okay. Reminds me of that Earth Ball game, where they had a giant ball, you tried to push it across certain places. <laughs> yeah. Which basically just turned into a fight. Over the ball. <laughs> like that's, yeah. All right. So it's basically a wrestling match with a ball in there and everybody get in a fight and then somebody push the ball. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. Uh, my number two is curling, man. There's something about it. It's hypnotic.
2: See, I, I wouldn't classify that as an, as an obscure sport, though.
0: You think it's too high profile?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, to me, anything, well, as, as I'm thinking on the fly. Anything that's an Olympic sport to me, even like the hammer throw, is not that obscure. Like, for instance, on my um, honorable mention, I have car curling.
0: Oh, what? Somebody pushes the car? I can understand that. I mean, I consider it to be pretty obscure because you're only going to see it once every four years. I'm not
2: trying to give my state some love. Shout out to all you Michiganers out there that listen. But, like, we have multiple curling clubs just in my area that I meet regularly.
0: Have you gone to them?
2: No, but I, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to, there, there is a bar downtown Detroit, Thomas McGee shout out. Uh, they do a trip every like year or used to before COVID where you pay a certain amount of money and you go to a Canadian curling club across the river and you, you know, I've done that. That's fun.
0: Oh, you actually went to the curling club?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
0: Did you beat the Canadians? Did you represent the United States?
2: <laughs> no i don't believe so no
0: yeah they probably take a little... that
2: was many years ago i i i assume he still does
0: it i don't i don't even know so. okay all right well that's you check on that and get back to us because we're all uh really curious <laughs> what's your number uh, one my number
2: one drum roll uh which i won't do uh is wife
0: carrying i've seen that before i really thought you were gonna go with something else <laughs> i was like wait a minute <laughs> How oh, that shouldn't be a sport. Oh, wife curling. Wife carrying. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah, wife carrying. Uh
2: I mean, you know, I think it's done once or twice every year, and I just, you know some of these some of these four guys, either they're not strong enough or, you know, there's a like a certain kind of rhythm that you have to be in and they're not in it, and you know, it just I, I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. I never turn it off when I see it.
0: I think that's the kind of sport where like somebody's feelings are going to get hurt if somebody's not good. Cause either the man's not strong enough or the woman, or the woman needs to lose a little bit of weight, right? If somebody's feel like, Hey, why didn't we win this year, honey? I don't know. Why don't you lift some weight? I don't know. Why don't you stop eating ice cream and maybe we will. Like the loser, I'm going to go ahead and out on a limb and say that the people who are serious about that competition and lose, there's a hundred percent chance there's an argument after they lose.
2: What's more fascinating after the, st- the statistics?
0: After, after how many
2: couples are now divorced because of this competition?
0: Right, I mean that's one of those things when you lose somebody's taking it pretty personally. My number one is slap fighting.
2: That's a, you know what that's a good one, and that that's relatively new, right? That's where where basically they just slap each other in the face till they knock one one or each other out.
0: You have to be like, what's the What's the draw there, other than you want to hit somebody, right? <laughs> well,
2: I don't, think, I, I don't know if that's made its way to, to America yet. I believe it's uh, like a Russian thing right now. But it, it'll get here soon. And then we'll maybe have a professional slap
0: fighter on. We, we could. That's a good idea, actually. But why not just punch? Like, why not just take an arm punch? I'd much rather... Would you rather be slapped in the face... Or punched in the arm?
2: I mean, punch, I mean punched in the arm. I, I don't think anyone would choose, you know, being slapped in the face over
0: that. Is the backhand illegal? I've never seen somebody backhand. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah, I've never seen backhanded either. I've
0: I've only seen a forward slap.
2: But, you know, to be honest, watching that, a lot of it's open palm. And I always feel like they get the meat of their hand on the person's face. Like, it's never, like, an actual, like, slap. Like, it's almost... Like an open-handed punch.
0: That makes sense, right? There has to be some sort of rule. I feel like it should be a slap, right? Like the hand needs to be cupped a little bit, and there needs to be more fingers than bottom of palm. Because you're basically just palm striking somebody. I don't actually know what a palm strike is, but I have watched kung fu movies before.
2: (laughs) In a weird way, uh, you kind of do look like Chuck Norris.
0: I've never heard that before. I can't grow nearly that much chest hair, though. (laughs)
2: Alright, before this completely gets off the rail Some of my honorable mentions I have chess boxing Um, I mentioned car curling uh, Toe and thumb wrestling That's just weird to me Uh, I I wanted to put beer pong on my list But I feel like that's not obscure enough anymore So Yeah It didn't get on there And then I, I, I put on cricket racing 'Cause apparently that's a sport, like in Australia, which I had no idea. Um and then uh and then I also have sandbag racing, which does not look like fun at all. So
0: What is sandbag racing?
2: Uh so I actually watched the YouTube clip. Uh it's whoever can carry the most amount of sandbags at the same time, twenty feet.
0: Oh, so is this like a meathead sport?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh like I, I think I watched a guy like carry eight or something. Which you think it's not a lot, but imagine like the width of your shoulders to be able to carry that many sandbags at once.
0: I mean, depending on how heavy the sandbag is, I would imagine it's at least twenty pounds, twenty to fifty. I mean, you, that's if you got that's one hundred and sixty pounds. If they're fifty-pound sandbags, that's four hundred pounds, which would be incredible. Is he a really big guy? Yeah,
2: he was a he was a the guy that I watched was a big guy, like a bird guy.
0: Oh, okay, all right.
2: It's like carrying a Nick Van Zandt on your shoulders.
0: Maybe There's, two of you. Probably two of me, honestly. Um, I have, like, I don't know, now that maybe you're redefining what obscure is, but maybe some of these don't count, but I had ping pong, badminton, um, that highlight sport where they have, like, what looks like, I don't know what it even is attached to their arm, and they just whip this ball down this <laughs> down this giant court.
2: I'm pretty sure Jackass the fellows at jackass made that famous that sport famous
0: that just looks like it would hurt a lot I because mean, I think they can they get thrown at like a hundred miles an hour,
2: and of course these idiots were getting full on sh- you know hitting the nuts, hitting the back with these balls going a hundred miles an hour.
0: yeah, that sounds awful. I wouldn't even do that. um I also had baseball on there baseball oh yeah, nobody cares about that. Is it even on TV? They even fin—did they even play a World Series this year? You're, I mean, I would see competitive trolling, like who controls someone else the best. about baseball because you were wrong. I didn't. Nobody cares about baseball. I don't care. Just because you grew up in an
2: area that didn't have a TV doesn't mean there wasn't baseball on.
0: Who actually? Who did win? I don't even know.
2: Uh, the Dodgers won.
0: Where are they at?
2: Los Angeles.
0: Hmm. Okay. I do like that one sport though, where they ski and then shoot stuff. That's always kind of cool.
2: The um, like the like the biathlon.
0: I think it is actually the biathlon. Nice job, nicely done.
2: I watched the Olympics.
0: Oh fuck! That didn't even happen this year, right?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, they didn't. They were moved. It's it's the Summer Olympics this time, but they were moved until next year.
0: Oh, okay. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Let us know what your favorite ex- obscure sport is. I mean, there's tons of them. And it's just crazy to me to think that there is somebody out there in the world that is just incredibly good at something that I've never even heard of or maybe even thought of. That's amazing to me. Let us know what you're good at. If you're not good at anything, well, neither am I.